0: We give all praises and thanks to Allah Azza wa We send salutations and blessings upon the noble messenger Muhammad Sallallahu and on his noble household his illustrious companions and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day. My respected brothers and sisters and elders, this is your brother Idris Muhammad Madugu, the founder and director of the Center for Islamic Worldview and Development. You may have heard my name in other podcasts as Idris Muhammad without the addition of Madugu but I would have to state it quite clearly that Madugu is part of my names, as I have sworn an affidavit to include that, that as, as, as part of my name inshallah this is our podcast interface which we have named Islam to the rescue and the reason for this caption Islam to the rescue is because we see Islam as a faith that has come to rescue mankind from darknesses from layers of darknesses in this world from the darkness of ignorance from the darkness of shirk to the light of tawhid to the light of islam from the darkness of paganism to the light of tawhid we believe strongly in this philosophy that islam goes beyond being just a ritualistic religion But it's a religion that captures or permeates every aspect of human life. It provides solutions and alternatives that provides mankind the needed peace. And this is the fact. And this is what we are set out to educate ourselves and our dear listeners about. Inshallah, So if you want to locate us on podcasts, you just have to search for... Islam to the Rescue, that is the name of our podcast interface, but we are operating under the Center for Islamic Worldview and Development. Alhamdulillah. Today's topic is going to be a very important one, inshallah, as we come to you with various topics from time to time. We have entitled today's lesson, A Brief Response to the Critics of My Master, Muhammad, the greatest man in history. Someone may ask, why this topic? It is pretty simple. If you look throughout history, you understand or you realize that our world today is the one that saw the most astronomical rise in globalization. The whole world is collapsing into a small village. We are living in a world of the highest level of technology of our time where huge terabytes of information can be sent from one part of the world to another in a matter of seconds. Something our ancestors never imagined could have happened. That is what we are experiencing today. And this has given birth to many ideologies, majority of which compete with each other. And Islam is one of these ideologies. And Islam, as a faith, or as a religion, or as a complete way of life, since its inception, presented itself as an ideology or a worldview that is superior to any other worldview. And Islam is always ready to take over the world and free it from the many miseries bedeviling mankind. That is why, if you read the glorious Quran, Surah Al Tawbah, chapter 9 of the Quran, verse 33, you hear Allah Azza wa Jal saying, wa ala kulli, walaw Allah Azza wa Jal says, He is the one who sent His messenger with guidance and the religion of truth or and the way of life based upon truth so that he will make it dominant over all other ways of life Allah says even if the polytheists detest this it is bound to happen so based on this we muslims absolutely convinced that Islam or Islam's superiority will continue to flourish no matter what happens or come what may the same message is repeated in surah al-fatah that is Quran chapter 40 verse number 28 where Allah says the same thing but in the end of that particular ayah Allah Azzawajal says, Wa kefa billahi shahida, and Allah is sufficient to bear witness to the occurrence of this particular divine promise. Today we live in a world where many people are writing all kinds of things against Islam. We have seen a rise in a group of scholars who are known as the orientalists. Orientalists are not necessarily Muslims these are non-Muslims who are interested in the study of Islam perhaps not because of faith but because they want to understand Islam from a historical perspective so they can engage Muslims in critical dialogues and today we have seen that in the world we also have these free thinkers these are people who call themselves free thinkers and we have heard about the drawing of the caricature of the Prophet Muhammad. We have heard those who refer to the Prophet as a magician, those who claim he is a poet, those who said he is a devil, بالله, those who said he is a liar, A'uz and those who even claimed that the Quran, which is the divine message the Prophet brought, is actually not any divinely inspired, but then it is, it is copied from the previous scriptures, which is the Torah and the Injil, the, the, the Bible, and the I think, yes, the, the Bible. That is the claim. But the point is quite clear that many of these people make these allegations on certain mischief. These allegations are mostly riding on mischief and not founded, not on founded evidence. So there is this great scholar who is not a Muslim, an agnostic Jew called Karin Armstrong. As the discussion keeps rising, people saying all kinds of things, trying to tarnish the image of the Prophet Muhammad. Karen Armstrong had an opportunity to address a million audience at a TEDx talk, at a TED talk, and she captioned her topic, I want to see Muhammad, I want to see Muhammad, and mind you, Karen Armstrong is not a Muslim, but she has studied Islam, and she has Proving herself to be someone who has academic integrity, intellectual integrity. So she spoke about the Prophet Muhammad in her speech, I want to see Muhammad. And here is what she says, and I her quote. Here's what she said, and I quote Karen Armstrong said, I think if we just look to the Prophet, here referring to the Prophet. We have a role model on how we should behave. Always in Mecca, when his people are being persecuted and abused, he will keep his calm. He wouldn't allow himself to respond aggressively, even when he was physically abused and threatened in any way. End quote. So this is what Karen Armstrong is saying And we all know very well that Karen Armstrong is not a Muslim But what she said is exactly what Allah Azzawajal also told us in the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Anbiya Verse number 107 Where Allah Azzawajal says arsalnaka illa That we have not sent you, O Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam Except as a mercy to the alameen as a mercy to the entirety of creation so the prophet Muhammad has been sent as a mercy to mankind so this is very clear and people who have academic integrity intellectual integrity have spoken quite a lot quite lengthy have have delivered quite lengthy lectures and have written quite a number of books to prove this particular point. But now the question arises, if we are seeing some of these developments in the Muslim world, particularly in our part of the world where there is a higher need for Islamic scholarship because we are living in a secular world, Ghana to be precise, a secular country where we have Almost all our educational institutions being dominated by non-Muslims, who are also making all attempts to push down the truth of our children, their Christian civilization and their materialist civilization and what have you. How then do we respond when we find ourselves in such an environment and some of these things are rearing their ugly heads? How do we respond? Do we respond by fighting? Do we respond by insults? Do we respond by picking up arms and fighting? That we are going to defend the image of the Prophet through fighting? Do we do that? No. We don't rise up with violence to respond because we are no more in that era. We are now in the era of knowledge, the era of information, the era of reasoning. The era of science, the era of critical thinking and logic, that is the era we are living in. And so whatever happens or whatever comes up to us, we have to think a lot before we are able to tell what is the right mechanism or method to employ in response to some of these unfortunate developments. I believe strongly that the most efficient and timely way to respond, to respond to these developments is to educate the masses. As simple as that. If people are saying all kinds of things against the Prophet ﷺ, or they are saying all kinds of things against Islam, what do we have to do? Who are they targeting? They are targeting our children. They are targeting our youth especially those who do not have sufficient knowledge of al-islam. They are targeting them to mislead them. So it is our duty. The battle cry should be that we should rise up and educate the masses, both Muslims and non-Muslims. We should educate our youth. We should educate our children because they are living in this century of critiquing. And... I would recommend some important, very valuable books that would help you know who the Prophet Muhammad is. There are some of them that are very basic, that even your children who are in high school can read and understand. So when they go out there and someone talks about the Prophet they shouldn't be ignorant about who the Prophet is, they should be able to give an intellectual, from an intellectual point of view, who the Prophet Muhammad is, they should be able to defend the Prophet. In fact, you have to empower them in a way that they wouldn't even wait for those critics to come at them. They would go to the critics and tell them who the Prophet is. Some of the books that I would recommend includes Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah. And this is a book written by Sheikh Abdurrahman al sheha Abdurrahman al sheha When you go online, you have all these materials so of It's just a 96-page book. You could make it part of your reading list at home. So you let your children read it, understand who the Prophet is. very brief and it goes straight to the point. It addresses the issue from a very contemporary dimension, such that children who are growing in this century would be able to relate with the terminologies used in there. Another book that would be very much recommended is Arrahiku Mahtum. and that is The Sealed Nectar. This is a, a, a book written by Safiul Rahman Mubarak Puri. Safir Rahman Mubarak. He authored this book, and that is a detailed biography of the noble prophet Muhammad. And this book will be recommended for ulama and then the al-'ilm, the, the youth who are into Islamic studies, and we have the Ghana Muslim Student Association. We should set up these reading clubs where the Muslim youth at the tertiary levels could be reading some of these books, or we have An instructor, we could even organize a workshop where we are educating people about some of these important topics. We should inculcate the culture of reading in our youth. I think that is one of the easiest way we could easily respond to some of these developments. Another book that is so powerful as far as the biography of the the, the Prophet Muhammad is concerned is written by Adil Salah. Adil Salah. And his title is Muhammad, His Character and Conduct. Muhammad, His Character and Conduct. These are great books. But among all the books written by the Prophet there is one that is best among all of them. The best among all of them. Guess what it is? Guess which book it is? that is the Qur'an the noble Qur'an when the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was asked about who the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is, what is his character what did she say? she said al-Qur'an. his character is the Qur'an he is the Qur'an in human form what that means is if you want to know the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi if you want him to live in you and you live in him Then you have to establish a very strong relationship with the glorious quran that would help you banish all those misunderstandings confusions misconceptions and so on and so forth so let us start raising our children on quran we need to let our children establish a firm relationship with the quran whilst we are taking them to this secular education we also need to make ample time at home to give them islamic education and with this i am calling on our traditional islamic madaris that we have all around weekend madaris to also adopt a contemporary approach to their islamic teaching myself inclusive we need to adopt a contemporary approach to how we are teaching our children because the realities of the times of those who wrote the books we are teaching these children are the traditional circles of knowledge the realities of the times of the authors are absolutely different from the time and space realities of our time or of, of, of you know from our time and space realities. They are absolutely different. For that matter, we need to understand how to present Islam to them. The principles remain the same, but our mode of delivery and the kind of examples we have to employ, the kind of methodologies we need to employ should be contemporary because these are contemporary generations these are contemporary children who only see stuff from their own perspectives for that matter we need to understand their perspectives and present islam based on that perspective and that is the only way they will see islam as a lived reality and not just an abstract concept may allah grant us the understanding and I also want us to remember that the criticism of the Prophet didn't start today, it started long ago. The very first time the Prophet received his revelation from Allah Azza when he retired home in awe from seeing the, the angel, archangel Jibreel his wife Khadid anh, took her to Waraqah ibn Nawfal and after narrating the episode Waraqah immediately understood that the Prophet ﷺ encountered an angel and behold that is the archangel Jibril what did Waraqah told him? What did, what did he tell him? Waraqah told the Prophet sallallahu that I I wish Allah Azza wa Jal will prolong my years on earth because Waraka was very old and even blind as at that time, he has a very blurred vision at that time, he said, I wish Allah will extend my years on earth so that I support you the time your people would drive you out of your own home, they would drive you from your own city out. That is what will confront you so the prophet ﷺ was so amazed saying how how would they chase me out can't they see that this is really a great blessing from allah azzawajal the worker told him that look no one ever brought what you brought but that his own people would chase him out of his own land so you should also get ready you are going to face criticisms you are going to face all kinds of critics so we are not surprised at all when people today are doing all kinds of things against the Prophet laws. We are not surprised. But we also need to be wise enough to know how best we can respond. Mostly they do that to incite Muslims so that they will see us on the streets, demonstrating, protesting, so that their caricature and stuff will begin to be more popular, so that they are making more headlines in the newspapers and the TV channels that is what they want they want to make stupid of us they want to make us stupid so that we come out on the street in our numbers and cause havoc that is what they want so we should also not respond that way we should go as intellectuals as a civilized ummah. we should go as a civilized ummah as an umma of ikra any ummah that is built upon knowledge is bound to live forever and its legacy would last forever because any other thing apart from knowledge will easily perish but when it is knowledge people of conscience are out there there are million people of conscience innocent people of conscience who sincerely do not know who the prophet ﷺ is what do we do Is it through our protest that they are able to understand the truth of the Prophet? Is it through the protest that they are able to see the Prophet as the true messenger of Allah and the savior of humanity? No, it is not through the protest. It is through this intellectual engagement that we are able to reach out to these innocent souls. So, briefly, we should understand these concepts and move in this beautiful direction. We can all recall the story of Heraclius. Heraclius, who is the king of the Byzantine. This is a man who came very close to embracing the religion of Islam during the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we all know Abu Sufyan before he became Muslim. How stern he is in his criticism of Islam and the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi wa we all know that history if we don't know we need to go and read it out the story of abu sufyan and qisra it is a very famous story within the circles of knowledge that story brought us a very significant understanding of the fact that the prophet muhammad is indeed a messenger of allah no doubt about his messengership and that no amount of criticism is capable of switching off the lights that Allah has kindled for the whole of mankind. Abu Sufyan but then as he was a non-Muslim, has been doing business. He used to travel to Syria and Palestine from Mecca with his caravans to trade so one day the prophet made hijra when the prophet made hijra he sent a letter to kisra heraclius the king first sent him a letter inviting him to the religion of al-islam so heraclius hearing that a letter came from a man in arabia who claimed to be a prophet heraclius being a very wise man didn't say all right let's set out to to fight them but he would want to first of all engage in a critical intellectual discourse to probe the authenticity of this man claiming to be a prophet of god so he said that those arab traders who have come around is there anyone who is very closer to the prophet sallam, they should they should look for one of them. They should bring those people who are who are from Mecca who have been trading around. They should bring them so that they would answer some questions. So now they brought them. And Fortunately, Abu Sufyan was part of this caravan. So Abu Sufyan came and the king asked him, Who is the Prophet? Who, who is the Prophet? of Arabia to you, the man who claimed to be prophet of Arabia, who amongst you is, you know, very closer to him in terms of relation. Abu Sufyan quickly replied replied that I am the nearest relative to him. Among all the group, I am the nearest relative to him. So Qisra, Heraclius instructed that he should present Abu Sufyan forward. And now they brought Abu Sufyan in front of the king. And he asked that the other arabs who were there with him should also come and line up behind him and he said it loudly that i'm about to ask your brother abu Sufyan some questions and if he should speak the truth confirm he has spoken the truth by nodding your heads and if he tells a lie then belie him publicly announce publicly that he has told a lie And abu sufyan says had it not been for the fear of losing the honor and dignity he has as a leader he would have told a lot of lies against the prophet to tarnish his image because they were serious enemies of the prophet muhammad at that time but because of fear of being branded a liar and how that is going to affect his integrity how that is going to affect his image, and how that is going a long way to affect his business relations and what have you, he decided not to lie. You can imagine how the Arabs are very committed to their honor and dignity, even as at that time. So the first question was quickly posed by Qisra to Abu Sufyan, he asked him, what is the family status of the prophet of, the, of, of Muhammad amongst you? What is his family status? Abu Sufyan replied that he belongs to the good and noble family amongst us. Because the prophet ﷺ came from the family the race the, 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 the tribe of Quraysh. The clan of the, the Qureshi. he is a Qurashi, And that is the most the, that is the noblest clan among all the clans of Arabia as at that time to date so Heraclius recorded the answer and he posed the second question has anybody amongst you this family you you guys belong to has anybody ever claimed the same has anybody ever claimed to be a prophet before Muhammad before Muhammad has anybody ever claimed to be a prophet within this particular clan Abu Sufyan responded no no one has ever claimed he then went on to ask him was anybody amongst his ancestors this prophet of arabia was anybody among his ancestors a king abu Sufyan said no there is none of his ancestors who was a king then he asked him again heraclius that do the nobles follow him or it is the poor people who are following him then Abu Sufyan quickly replied that it is the poor who follow him, the poor people, the poor ones, you know, thinking this is another way to make it look like. The Prophet doesn't even have any better following. It is rather the destitute in the environment, in the community who are following him. Heraclius recorded that answer. He then asked him, are the followers of this prophet increasing day by day or they are decreasing? Abu Sufyan says, he, he replied that they are increasing day by day. He recorded this response. And then Qisra went on to ask Abu Sufyan, does anybody amongst those who embrace the religion that he is preaching, has anybody ever embraced the religion and then he became displeased and renounced the religion afterwards? Abu Sufyan says, no, such a thing, that, such a thing never happened. Heracles then went on to ask Abu Sufyan again Have you ever accused him of telling lies before his claim to be a prophet? Have you ever accused him of telling lies? Abu Sufyan says, No. In fact, they all know the Prophet ﷺ to be Al Amin, the most trustworthy. They didn't have any problem with the Prophet. ﷺ. The only problem they had with him was the fact that he is inviting them to Tawheed, he is inviting them to a new way of life. To, to actually renounce their old ways of life, to leave everything aside and follow the religion of it. That is the only difficulty they had with Him, because they felt he's coming to dominate them. And how, how could this orphan just rise up and dominate us just like that? So the hatred for the Prophet Sardislam didn't start today. It has been there since time immemorial and it will continue to time eternity. It will continue to the end of time. And it is always the mandate of Muslims to rise up and preach the truth about the Prophet ﷺ and defend his honor and dignity. Heraclius went on to ask Abu Sufyan again: that does he break his promises? This prophet, this man claiming to be a prophet, has he ever broken his promises? Whenever he promises, whenever he promises, does he break his promise? Abu Sufyan says, no, he does not break his promise. However, we are at a truce with him, but we don't know what will happen along the line. We don't know whether it could, you know, he might betray his trust along the line. We don't know. Allah, Abu Sufyan, when he was narrating the hadith, says, look, that was the only place I was able to infuse something negative because I looked for all opportunities to say something negative about him, but there was, no, there, was, there was no way I could lie about this great man. So I just took the advantage to fuse this in quickly. Heraclius recorded the answer. Then he also asked Abu Sufyan, have you ever had a war with him? Abu Sufyan says, yes, we had a war with him. Then he said, what are the outcomes of this war? Abu Sufyan says, sometimes, he was victorious, and sometimes we are. Heraclius said, that is good. Then he also asked, what does he order you to do? What are some of the rituals, he, or what are some of the ways of life he invited you to, to follow? Can you tell me some? Abu Sufyan responded that he tells us to worship Allah and Allah alone that Muhammad told us that we should worship Allah and Allah alone, and that we should not worship anything along with Allah He also called us to renounce all that our ancestors had said. He orders us to pray, to speak the truth, to be chaste, and to keep good relations with our king. That is what he ordered us to do. Then, Heraclius said, "Well." Now bring the letter sent by that man claiming to be a prophet of God. Bring the letter and read it out loud so that everybody could hear. But before that, Heraclius made a general analysis of the the discourse so that Abu Sufyan could understand why those questions were asked. And also the people over there could understand why those questions were asked were asked heracles told abu sophia that i asked you which family he belonged to you told me he belongs to the noblest family that is the case with all apostles of god they all came from amongst their respective people mostly prophets of god apostles of god came from the noblest of clans people who are respected that is where the prophets of god mostly come from I also asked you if anybody you know, among his, his ancestors ever claimed this prophethood thing. You said no. So if supposing that was the case, if that was the case, I would have thought that this man was following the previous man's statement. This is what Heraclius said, he would have thought Prophet Muhammad is just trying to build upon a certain legacy that his ancestors left behind. He also said, I asked you, you know, was anybody a king among his ancestors? You said, no. I would have said he had wanted to reclaim this particular ancestral royalty, the kingdom. He wanted to reclaim the kingdom. I also asked you which kind of people follow him. Is it the noble ones or the poor people? You said it is the poor people. And that is how all the prophets are, says Heracles. "That That is how all the prophets are. It is mostly the poor and the weak who follow them, because they have found justice and security in their religion. And gradually, even the rich and affluent, the noble ones, will join in gradually. That is the nature of true prophets of God. I also asked you whether the followers are increasing day by day, or they are decreasing. And you told me they are increasing. And now, that is a sign of true faith. Until it completes in all respects this is how it starts until it completes I also ask you if anyone ever embraced the religion and then renounced the religion claiming he is fed up enough of this he told me no and in fact this is a sign of true faith when true faith enters into the heart that delight when it enters into the heart and it mixes with it completely there is nothing capable of removing the person from that particular path he has chosen for himself that is the nature of true religion or abu sufyan and he also said i asked you whether you people have ever accused him of lies whether he has ever lied your answer was in the negative so now the question arises: how can a person who doesn't lie about others lie about allah This is a question Heraclitus is asking. And all all these questions are calling for critical thinking and logic. How on earth could a person lie about Allah when he doesn't lie about human beings? Isn't Allah too big for him to lie about? SubhanAllah. So that is so clear. Then Heraclitus also says that I asked you whether he breaks promises. You said no, he does not break promise. Now... The point is, no apost- apostles do, ne- do not break promise, they never betray, says Heraclius. that apostles of God, they do not betray. I've also asked whether you have ever had war with him. He said yes, sometimes he is successful, sometimes you. All these things are signs. These are signs of truth in what this man has brought to you immediately all the people within the palace of Heraclius were amazed many of them had the light of islam penetrating their hearts some of them broke into tears because of the truth they have seen in this great prophet of god prophet muhammad sallallahu wasallam my master the greatest man in history then abu sufi then Heraclius told him that look If all that you have said about this man is true, then he will very soon occupy this place underneath my feet. And I knew it from the scriptures that he was going to appear, but I did not know that he would be from you. And if I could reach him definitely, I would go immediately to him, and if I were with him, I would certainly wash his feet. This is what Heracles said. Abu Sufyan was amazed that, subhanAllah, look at the pace at which Islam is moving. Muhammad is indeed going to dominate us because if people as great as Heraclius and his elders are all here panicking at the Prophet Muhammad's Muhammad's power that Allah has given him, then indeed he will soon dominate all of us. Abu Sufyan said, from then, I knew deep down that Islam is going to dominate. Islam is going to supersede all other ways of life, no matter what we do. Then Heraclius ordered that they should bring the letter sent by the Prophet Muhammad So they brought the letter and they called the scribe to come and read out the letter. When they opened the letter, they, they saw the words of the noble messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam And it reads Bismillahir rahmanir rahman rahim Min Muhammad, Rasulullah, Ila raqal azimir Rum. Salamun ala manitaba al-huda Amma ba'd Fa inni ada'uka bi da'watil islam Aslim, taslam يُؤْتِيكَ اللَّهُ أَجْرَكَ مَرَّتَيْنَ وَإِن تَوَلَّيْتِ فَإِنَّ عَلَيْكَ إِسْمَ الْأَرِسِينَ The content means In the name of Allah The Beneficent, the Merciful This letter is from Muhammad The slave of Allah And his apostle to To Heraclius The ruler of Byzantine Peace be upon him Who follows the right path Furthermore, I invite you to Islam. And if you become a Muslim, you will be safe. In other words, from the wrath of Allah. And Allah will double your reward. And if you reject this invitation of Islam, you will be committing a sin by misguiding your peasants. You will carry the sins of your people. You will be punished on Akhirah. What that means? And you will also bear another sin for misleading your people, for putting them upon the path of misguidance. Then the Prophet ﷺ went on to quote, to read to him Surah Al Ali Imran, the verse number 64, which says, ya ahl Allah. That’s all people of the Scripture. come to a word common to you and us, that we worship none but Allah, and that we associate nothing in worship with Him, and that none of us shall take others as lords besides Allah. Then if they turn away, say, bear witness that we are Muslims, those who surrendered to Allah Jalla." So this is the message of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. People, the most powerful people of those days, were not able to resist and defeat the message. The same applies to today. Nobody will be able to defeat the message. But we also have a mandate as an ummah to continue to invite people to the light of Al-Islam. To continue to teach our children and all our generations the greatness of the Prophet Muhammad. We have to nurture the love of the Prophet in the hearts of our children. We have to nurture the respect and honor of the Prophet Muhammad in the hearts of our children. And that is the way the Prophet Muhammad's great image will continue to remain in the hearts of the Muslim Ummah and then those who are not even part of the Ummah. We pray to Allah to grant us khair in the little that we have said and inshallah in our next episode we will bring you other important discussions. Wa akhiru Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen